Good morning and happy Wednesday to you of this third week of Advent. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. What a bright, beautiful morning it is. Even though the sun's not up yet, it's still just, oh man, I am. I am in love with the morning. Thanks to you and thanks to being here with you on Roadmap to Heaven. Let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, it is, again, a gorgeous morning, and uh, I'm, it's a joy to be with you. I want to say this at the beginning of the show. I've been saying it at the, at the end of the show this week, but you know, some of you are already where you need to be by the end of the show. You may not have heard this. Did you know that two weeks from tonight, there's going to be a night of Eucharistic Adoration at Seek 24 in downtown St. Louis that you are invited to? If you live in the Archdiocese of St. Louis, uh, just go to archstl.org slash seek, register. They're giving away free... It's not really a ticket. I suppose it is a ticket. An RSV is required. RSVP is required to go to the Wednesday night keynotes and Eucharistic adoration at the Dome with 20,000 plus of your best friends. Seek's going to be an amazing week. We're going to be broadcasting there all week uh, when, when the uh, conference is going on. But in addition to that, this Wednesday night opportunity is really something else to go to Eucharistic adoration with that many people in the Dome uh, is going to be something else. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be prayerful. It's going to be an experience like I've never had before in my life. That's for sure. And you should check it out, archstl.org slash seek for that free pass to Wednesday night keynote and adoration. And if you're one of the first 2,000, you can go to a reception at 545 with uh, hors d'oeuvres and cocktails and things like that. And Covenant Network's going to be there. We're proud to sponsor that with the Archdiocese of St. Louis because it's going to be a tremendous evening. It's going to be fantastic. So check it out. Today on the show, we continue our Advent preparations. We've got some homilies for us on Advent. And then we continue our virtual pilgrimage with Monsignor John Myler and the Blessed Mother. And then finally, at the end of the show, we're going to start our Lenten preparations. What's that you say, Adam? Lenten preparations. Well, that's right, because not only are we two weeks away from the Wednesday night adoration, at Seek, we are less than two weeks away from the start of the new year, and that means a start to Exodus 90. And Deacon Michael Hallbrook, Chief Operating Officer of Exodus, is going to be with us to share what is going to be happening and why, uh, how you can sign up and why it, it's a great spiritual aid for you. That's all ahead on the show. Let's go now to Mike Roberts for our weather and our Saint of the Day. Today is the feast day of St. Dominic of Silos. Born in Spain around the year 1000, Dominic came from a peasant family and as a boy spent a great deal of time working in the fields as a shepherd where he enjoyed the solitude. When he was old enough, Dominic became a Benedictine monk, was ordained a priest and soon was named master of novices and then prior. But at one point, he became involved in a dispute over property with the King of Navarre, which ended up with Dominic and two other monks being exiled. Under the protection of the king of Spain, Ferdinand, they found refuge in the town of Silos at the decaying Abbey of St. Sebastian, then occupied by only six other monks. Dominic was appointed abbot 
and he proceeded to rebuild the monastery physically and spiritually. Under his leadership, it became one of the most famous in Spain. He built cloisters and established a scriptorium which made the monastery a major center for book design and scholarship, raising significant proceeds through the workshop. Wealthy patrons endowed the monastery, and Dominic used those funds to ransom Christians captured by the Moors. Dominic was also known for works of healing. By the time of his death in 1073, the monastery had 40 monks, and it was later named after him. About a century after his death, a young woman experienced difficulty during her pregnancy and made a pilgrimage to his tomb. There, Dominic of Silos appeared to her and assured her that she would bear a son. That woman was blessed Joan Guzman, and her son grew up to be the other Dominic, St. Dominic Guzman, founder of the Dominicans. St. Dominic of Silos, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. A prayer for the bishop. Heavenly Father, in these trying times when the spirit of the age threatens Christian values, give our bishop holiness of life and wisdom to direct and guide our diocesan family so that we may grow in your love. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. It is day three of our Advent pilgrimage with the Blessed Mother and our pilgrimage director, Monsignor John Myler. And Monsignor, I, I have to tell you, I thought of this yesterday. This year especially, how fitting it is to reflect upon these places because sadly so many of them are closed to the public right now because of all of the turmoil in the Middle East and in the Holy Land. But to take this time to reflect that there are actual places that these mysteries have taken place. I, as my kids asked me a few weeks ago when we were driving by Our Lady of the Snows, they said, is the place where Jesus was born, is that still there? And I said, yes, it's still there. There's still a church there. They said, can we go there? I said, not right now. Oh, um, isn't that a shame? Not right now. But we can go in our hearts. We can go in our minds. We can go with the, the vision of our soul. Today, let's take a pilgrimage with Mary and with Joseph on the road from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Because remember, they had to go uh, from their home uh, to the city of David uh, for the census. This is 90 miles. And back in 1993, very recently, construction workers were employed at the, a modern expressway there between, uh, between Nazareth and Bethlehem. And way down deep in the ground, in their digging, they found the ruins of pillars, the foundation of a church, which dated from the 4th or the 5th centuries. They unearthed, this was just 30 years ago, one of the oldest churches in Christianity. It's where we stand right now in our pilgrimage. The Ecclesia Catismatis, the church of the ancient resting place. For according to tradition, it was here that Mary rested while on the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Before she and Joseph continued their journey halfway to stop and rest in God's love. For Matthew tells us, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, the whole world should be enrolled, a census 
each to his own town. And so Joseph, too, went up from Galilee and the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David that is called Bethlehem, because Joseph was of the house and family of David many generations later, to be enrolled with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now, on this road, as we're walking it right now, most of the nativity stories indicate that Mary was riding on a donkey, that it's more likely that she had to walk most of the way. Uh, Donkeys are wonderful creatures. They're not known as animals that one can ride for a long distance. They're good for carrying their supplies. And so walking tells us about the difficult ways that people had to travel in biblical times. Mary and Joseph on foot. And today we can walk this road. Many people travel this distance between Nazareth and Bethlehem, which is a winding road, not in any way straight, walking through these beautiful but sometimes rough terrain, uh, rocky hillsides, desert valleys, olive groves. Many pilgrims make this journey even in our own time because they journey with Mary in this, this time, these days immediately before the nativity of the Lord. For there she is resting on the road. We remember the words of Elizabeth, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb, Jesus. So it is Joseph walking. It is Mary walking. It is she who carries the Lord God made flesh in her womb. It's a good pilgrimage day. O Lady of Advent, pray pray for for us. us. I'm so happy that you brought our attention to this, that there is a place of resting, because how often when we travel, we have to find that place. Can we can we pull over here for a little bit, perhaps to have lunch or to stay for the night? And we have the modern convenience of traveling by car or by plane or by bus or by train, and even with that we went to rest. I can only imagine what it was like for the Blessed Mother and St. Joseph to walk. Monsignor, thank you for today's reflection. You're welcome. Consecration to Mary. My queen and my mother, I give myself entirely to you, and to show my devotion to you, I consecrate to you this day my eyes, my ears, my mouth, my heart, my whole being without reserve. Wherefore, good mother, as I am your own, keep me, guard me, as your property and possession. Amen. We are back. We're happy to be talking with Deacon Michael Hallbrook, who is not only a permanent deacon in the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois, just a hop, skip, and a jump away from our studios here, but also the Chief Operating Officer for Exodus. And you have heard us talk about Exodus on Roadmap to Heaven before. It is an intentional program of fasting, of asceticism, of many different things to help us dive deeper into Lent and into the mystery of our faith and then celebrate the joy of Easter. And you're saying, why are you talking about this now? We haven't, it's not even Christmas, it's still Advent. 
But the other night at home, we were talking about these things, and uh, they the kids said, Dad, when's Lent coming up? And I said, well, it's going to be Valentine's Day. And one of the kids goes, it's next week? And I said, no, Valentine's Day is until February. But it's going to feel like next week for everybody doing Exodus because it starts January 1st. So, Deacon Michael, it is good to have you with us to talk about this wonderful program, Exodus, today. It's good to be back. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I, I was going to ask, are you ready, thinking, oh, you got some time. But no, it's. I mean, we're less than two weeks away. Yeah, less than two weeks at this point. So January 1st start date this year, um, since its inception, the most popular time to start Exodus 90, the 90-day program that you referred to, is 90 days before Easter. And Easter is early this year. 90 days before that is January 1st. Wow. Isn't that wonderful how the calendar works out? So for our listeners who aren't familiar with Exodus 90, and that's that's what we're here to talk about today, that's what's starting in less than two weeks, uh, walk us through. What happens in Exodus 90? Who is this for? What are you committing to do? And, and why? 90 days of spiritual formation for men. That's the way to put it. Uh, and it started nine years ago. It actually started before that in a couple of seminaries. But it is ni- a 90-day walk through the book of Exodus. And this year we're adding a little bit of the book of Joshua, which follows Exodus uh, in the storyline. Um, each day there's a little bit of a reading from Scripture and a reflection for men that goes along with being in a fraternity, a group of other men that are journeying this together, praying for each other, supporting each other. Uh, and the asceticisms that you refer to, fasting is one of them, no snacks, no sweets, no treats, uh, no alcohol, uh, no television, uh, cold showers. Those are the things people talk about. Um, when the 90 days are over, the thing that men talk about the most, though, is the fraternity, the freedom that you find in giving up those things of the earth for so many days together uh, and finding this uh, this whole new level of freedom. Wow. Cold showers are a reality sometimes, right. and not necessarily by choice, but those who would choose to do this asceticism, um, kudos to you. And, and, and my, hat, my hat is tipped to you all because it's hard. And it can be intimidating, as you said, to, to go into it. And I think that's why we focus or we get preoccupied with, wait a minute, you give up this and you give up that and you don't do this and you don't do that. But in that giving up, as you said, is that freedom. And it's the fraternity that I, I suppose, well, let's just ask the question. Is the fraternity what gets you through Exodus 90, between that and the prayer? In many different ways. So we had a man that joined our fraternity over in Granite City last year. And when he joined, he said, I want to do this with you guys, but I, I'm not going to take cold showers. And we're all like, okay, it's better to have you here with us in fraternity, doing everything else, journeying, making this journey through Exodus together, uh, than for us to say, we're not going to have you with us because you're not going to do this asceticism. And I've heard a story of elsewhere in the country where a similar thing happened but by halfway through, the man was in on the cold showers, too. Um, no one's exodus is perfect. Every single one of us fails at at least one thing over the course of that 90 days. And it's in being open and honest with your brothers and talking through and working through that and picking each other back up um, that you really make that journey fruitful. Okay. Now, we're talking about this starting January 1st, and we've talked about it. it's a 90-day program. Lent next year, uh, and, and spoiler alert for everyone, if you love to go out for Valentine's Day, it's a day of fasting and penance in 2024. Fish, fish fries are going to be very packed on, <laughs> yeah. on Valentine's Day this year. Oh, yeah. my. Um, <laughs> but that's still a ways away. I mean, we're, we're not talking like that's right around the corner. That's February 14th. That's a, roughly a month and a half, a month and three quarters away. Why 90 days? Why, why does Exodus embrace that 90 days? Why are we starting January 1st? Although from the New Year resolution point of view, I, I suppose that makes sense, but that's not every year. No, there's a little bit of science behind the fact that you go that long 
um, in these asceticisms, and it does definitely change things about your desires, about the way the dopamine works in your brain. Um, so it's it's not only just a getting rid of things, but uh, creating a whole new openness, even biologically. Um, there's you know grace builds upon nature, so there's a human element of you know breaking down and being open to what might be new that then the spiritual is also able to build upon. Um, so there is some medical aspect of the 90 day as well. I love that because it's, it, it's that old thing of, I want to break the vice. I want to embrace the virtue. Well, how long do I have to do this? And mm-hmm. I mean, everybody talks about that 90 days, three months. If you can do this for three months, you can do this. You can right. keep going with it. So I, I love, again, God's providence, how this works out that that three months to align with new life, new spiritual life, the joy of the resurrection, the Paschal mystery starts with the new year, which is when many of us are saying, I want to join the gym, I want to do this, I want to do that. Well, it's a good thing for everybody. Exactly, exactly. We're, you know, we're a little bit nervous this year that it aligns with January 1st because then everything else is starting then as well. We're also excited because, to your point, there's that human element that we're all kind of in that mode anyway. The other side of it, too, is, you know, beyond the 90 days, most men, once they've found that freedom, will continue asceticisms. And that's why most men will continue now with Exodus through the rest of the year with different reflections, different seasons of the church, uh, and, and oftentimes continue some of those asceticisms of the 90 days. But let's go back to the heart of all of this, because as much as we talk about the asceticisms, as much as we talk about the fraternity, as much as we talk about 90 days of breaking vice and embracing virtue, the whole purpose of this is not like most New Year's resolutions. You know, I want to go to the gym because I want to be in better shape, or I want to eat less because I want to lose weight. Uh, I want to take cold showers because I'm crazy. I don't know what it may be. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole point of this is those things are secondary, and they're good, but the whole point of this is I want to grow closer to Jesus. I want to grow closer to the triune God, to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. How do these things, how how does this 90-day program, you know, you mentioned the book of Exodus, you Mm -hmm. mentioned some Mm -hmm. other scripture passages, the fraternity, but really, how does giving up help us know him better? Well, we say freedom. That's that's the heart of what we do. Um, And just as in anything in the spiritual life, the more that we give up, the more that we um, fall into the peace of the life that Jesus calls us to, the more that we do find the freedom to be who we were truly created to be. Uh, so that's what Exodus is for. It's to help a man to really become open to and to find the freedom from the pharaohs that we are surrounded with in today's world, in today's culture, no different than the Egyptians in the original Exodus, right? Like enslaved to different things of the world, enslaved to a, a place in the world. Uh, men are enslaved to so many things today. So freedom is is the ultimate goal, right? That freedom to be who we who God created us to fully be in Christ. So if I'm understanding this correctly, this whole idea of of detaching from mm-hmm. everything, and we've talked about that on this show quite a bit as well. This is the same idea. It's it's detachment of it's not that the phone's bad, it's not that the TV's bad, it's not that the the water heater's bad. It, it's it's none of those things. It's by voluntarily saying I am going to sacrifice all of this so that I am not addicted or dependent upon Mm -hmm. creature comforts, it frees up that space to love our Lord more. And I I think especially for men, you've brought up the challenges they face, and we all know how addictive pornography is Mm -hmm. in our culture these days. Um, The phone, the TV, the internet can be such terrible gateways for that vice. And to say, Lord, I love you more than the phone, the internet, the TV. I'm going to choose to do without these things or to radically reduce how I interact with them Mm -hmm. so that there's just less of a chance that they could pull me away from you and I'm now freer to love you. 
Right. You you find a new intentionality around the way that you use those tools. And, and even last year during the 90-day period, um, no television to me meant like there, I will not turn on the television just mindlessly in the evening. However, like if my wife were to say, I just want you to sit on the couch with me and watch the news tonight so that we can see the weather, I'm going to say yes to that. Even though there's no television in the 90, there's an intentionality around that choice, right? Like because it's based in relationship and it's based in in an openness to what, you know, the fullness of who I'm called to be in my vocation as opposed to to doing it mindlessly. Right. I, I love that uh, old saying of a friend of mine about Lenten penances, that your fasting should never be someone else's penance. Amen. So mm-hmm. if your wife says, hey, it, it is really important to me that you and I sit down and look at this together, or mm-hmm. I really need you to pull out your phone and look this up for a moment, it's it's not that doom scrolling that so many of us do where we're just on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, scrolling through the reels, the shorts. And and then before you know it, 30 minutes has passed. It's, I'm going to do this specific task because my wife has asked me to do this mm-hmm. and then I'm off. And I've, and I've heard guys even say like, man, I thought the no TV would be easy. And then I started this and I realized I don't watch TV, but I will sit there and watch YouTube all night long, right? Like we, there are things that we do that we don't even realize actually tie to all these asceticism that we we take on during the 90 days. And you're like, oh my gosh, like I was watching TV, you know, in quotes, if you will, but it was just a different form. And because of that, you know, especially I I love that term doom scrolling because Mm -hmm. so many of us, myself included at times, just mindlessly do that. We start scrolling. We're like, oh, no big deal. And then before you know it, 20 or 30 minutes has passed. And then maybe at the end of the day, you're tired and you're like, oh, I didn't take enough time to pray today. Where did that time go? Well, 30 minutes of it right there, mindlessly scrolling through mm-hmm. an app, breaking free of that is now 30 minutes to pray. And I've seen the difference. So two points on that. Um, my own boys every year as I make Exodus will towards the end say like, we've gotten more of you back for us. So every single year there's a growth, right? That I find that my, that my boys see in me. Um, and the other side of it is myself and, and most men that I know and talk to, the openness to the holy hour every day, which is one of the disciplines of Exodus 90. Many men carry on in some form, you know, at least 20 minutes of silent prayer, but you you create this new open space for that conversation with God, and you realize that has to be the heart of my day. Yeah. It, what's that saying? Nature abhors a vacuum, and I mm-hmm. think that's true in our schedules in our daily life. If we just have idle time that we're not filling uh, with something good— they, Again, going to cliched sayings this morning, apparently on Roadmap to Heaven, idle hands are the devil's playground. And mm-hmm. and the devil likes to fill that time with anything, not necessarily uh, just radically taking away our belief in God, but chipping away at how much we make that time a priority. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, well, if I can distract you and keep you from thinking about holy things, keep you from prayer, keep you from Scripture, keep you from living your vocation. Exactly. You know, let's not give the devil that opening. Well, the most important thing to know about Exodus 90 is how to sign up. How do I join Exodus 90? How do I become part of this program? Cool. So just jump on to startmyexodus.com. That's a good place to start. Uh, You can read about it, learn a little bit more. Um, Grab the app. Um, The irony is it is an app on the phone, so there's some intentionality around learning how to, to do it. And invite a brother. Uh, my first year I made Exodus without a brother. The only and the best way to do it fully is with an anchor ideally in a fraternity of three to five men. Um, I found the last few years it's not hard to find a man that's willing to jump in into this cause with you. Startmyexodus.com. Startmyexodus.com. I love when the URLs are easy to remember, and that's an easy one to remember. Deacon Michael Hallbrook, thank you so much for being with us. Could I ask you to uh, close us out with a prayer as we get ready for Christmas here and in the new year and the, the exodus that's coming, hopefully, for many men? Definitely. I'd be happy to. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 
Good and gracious God, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the gift of your Son who is to come in these days when we remember the different titles, the Oantiphons, and we continue as a church with his Spirit to beg him to come. We ask you to send that Spirit into our hearts and into our lives, into our homes, and into the places where we take you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, for those of you that are going to be at Seek 24, which is also right around the corner, January 1st through 5th, be sure to check out the Exodus booth on Mission Way. They're going to be back by the Focus Quad and uh, Focus... Uh, There's so much focus there, but they're back by the Focus Quad. Just look for the big sign that says Focus Quad. They'll have one, and Exodus is going to be right there. And by the way, stop by Covenant Network. We're going to be there as well. Uh, We've got some great giveaways, and we would love to see you. In the meantime, we are going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. Invocation of the Nine Choirs of Angels O holy angels, watch over us at all times during this perilous life. O holy archangels, Be our guides on the way to heaven. O heavenly choir of the principalities, govern us in soul and body. O mighty powers, preserve us against the wiles of the demons. O celestial virtues, give us strength and courage in the battle of life. O powerful dominations, obtain for us dominion over the rebellion of our flesh. O sacred thrones, grant us peace with God and man. O brilliant cherubim, Illumine our minds with heavenly knowledge. O burning seraphim, enkindle in our hearts the fire of charity. Amen. Are you enjoying this podcast? Well, if you are, did you know that Covenant Network offers great programming 24 hours a day on 43 stations in five states, plus streaming online? You can find our schedule, your local station, or listen online at www.ourcatholicradio.org. That's O-U-R catholicradio.org. How often do we find ourselves conversing with a friend and hearing them share an idea of something they do with their family, and all of a sudden we say, I've got to write this down. I've got to do this with my family. Well, this week, Patty Schneier is giving us the gift of different traditions we could incorporate into our families to have those meaningful Christmas traditions with our children. Patty, I I love that you're sharing, not from a book, not from a list, but from your own experience. And I can't wait to find out what you're going to share with us on this Wednesday. Well, Monday was Make a Manger. Yesterday, we talked about just going Christmas caroling. Today, I want to say, don't forget our military servicemen and women who are away from their families. I think it's really important to teach children that there are families who are sacrificing their Christmas. They're away. They're gone on some parts of the world. And by writing them letters, by making something, sending them a note, anything that says thank you, anything that you can do for our military servicemen and women, I think is a beautiful gesture. And it teaches them so many virtues, really, of gratitude for those men and women. It also lets them just think outside of themselves and think of other people. One tradition that my husband and I have started doing is the wreaths of honor, which is, I'm guaranteed, this is a secular thing, but it has meaning for us. We go and we decorate the grave sites of military men and women. Maybe you don't have to do the wreaths of honor program, so to speak, but just maybe family members that you have that have gone before you that were men and women in the military. Decorate those graves. Go to those grave sites. Take your children. Say a prayer for that person. Let them know that we remember our military men and women during this time of the year when they do make so many sacrifices for us. It's a great tradition to do. Again, I'm just sharing ways that you can make 
beautiful traditions with your children, and I think these are things that they would remember. While it may seem like a secular activity, it's certainly rooted in the works of mercy. And Patty, it's a great tradition that we could form with our families. Thank you for this dose of encouragement. Today is the kids' last day of school for the calendar year, and then they're on Christmas break through the beginning of next year. We're looking forward to some time at home with the kids. One of the kids has said, Dad, can we go bowling over Christmas break? To which I say a resounding yes. Yes, we can go bowling over Christmas break. I think that's a fantastic idea. But one of the realities that we're all encountering, and we talked about this a little bit last week, on the Daily Dose of Encouragement, I believe, or earlier this week, is the fact that we have a lot on our schedules. We have a lot of family get-togethers in the coming days, in the coming weeks. It's been busy for the last few weeks. And I never fail to remember some wise words a coworker of mine once said when I was working out at the parish. You know, Adam, the, the tough thing is every time we say yes to something, that means we're saying no to something else. Every time we say yes to something, we're saying no to something else. Now, principally on Roadmap to Heaven, we'd be talking about that. Every time you say yes to temptation and to sin, you're saying no to God. Or every time you say yes to God's grace, it's going to involve saying no to temptation and sin, which is a good thing. It's a good thing to say no to some things, right? You know, if you said, all right, you have to choose. Do you want God's grace? Do you want sanctifying grace so that when you die, you can go to heaven? Or do you want this uh, thing here that's going to cause you to be in a state of grave sin and separate you from God and, and remove sanctifying grace? And without God, you, you won't be able to get sanctifying grace. And, well, you'll be cut off. And if you die, as we know from our four last things, well, you, you wouldn't go to heaven. You'd Go to hell. And, and you'd say, well, no, I want God's grace. I want sanctifying grace. And we'd say, ding, 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 right choice. Well, sometimes it's not painstakingly obvious. Sometimes it's not a bright flashing sign saying this is the correct choice. We're going to be filled with lots of choices, you know, and every time we say yes to something, getting together with this person or that person might mean we have to say no to this thing that we've been invited to or that thing that we've been invited to. I bring this up not to say, you know, and prioritize this over that. This is what's more important. You, you discern. You're going to do that all on your own. You're smart. You're, you're wonderful. The reminder for me, because I had some trouble with this last night. I, I have trouble with this all the time. I get impatient or I get frustrated when other people don't see the priorities the same way I see them. Why would, why would you want to get together with them? The priority is to get together with this part of the family or we got to do this or whatever it may be. We're all probably a little stressed this time of year. We're all probably thinking, I'm really glad Covenant has those Covenant Network has those shows that I can call in and say, I'm really stressed and I snapped at so and so and I don't know what to do. Doctor tell me what to do. And, and, and one of the two doctors on our broadcast schedule is going to say, all right, remember this. Here's my thing. Let's work extra hard to be patient, understanding, forgiving, loving, and charitable in everything we do in these next few weeks. It's going to be harder for those of you with kids in some ways because having the kids home all day over vacation, you might run into some cabin fever. You might not. I don't know. But it disrupts the daily routine we're used to having. And some of us, myself included, we don't always do well with disruption of the daily routine. So I want to ask two specific things of you today. Will you pray for your fellow Roadmap to Heaven listeners that need your prayers in this specific regard? Could I ask you to pray for them? And would you pray for 
all of those that you're going to come in contact with. And just, you know, pray through the intercession of your guardian angels that every get-together you have may be filled with joy and good cheer and that you may be able to radiate the love of Christ to everyone you meet in these next few weeks. Can I ask you to pray for those two intentions today? Maybe when you go to the Blessed Mother, she is the Blessed Mother. Who knows better about squabbling, bickering children than mothers, right? And she knows how sometimes we can irritate and annoy one another. And ask her to pray for you. Ask her to pray for us. Ask her to pray for your fellow listener. Those are my requests, if I could humbly ask you to pray for those requests this morning. Now let's pray in thanksgiving for our show. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. Mary, Mother of the Church, pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, what a joy it has been to spend this hour with you. Be sure to check out the Roadmap to Heaven podcast if you missed part of today's show and you'd like to hear it, or if you'd like to share it with someone else. And those of you listening on the podcast right now, don't forget to click like, subscribe, share, whatever options you have there. It really does help us out when you do those things. It helps spread things through the algorithms so that we make more of an impact out there in the world. For Covenant Network, I am Adam Wright. Thanks for listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.